Welcome into the DNVR Avalanche podcast presented by DraftKings Sportsbook. Use code DNVR when you sign up for a new account to get amazing odds boosts every single day. Ruto, AJ, and Jesse coming at you live on a Monday. And we're talking about the value of the Colorado Avalanche trade assets. Wanted to get into kind of every angle of this. But before we do, Jesse, you have uh, the news of the day coming out of Avs practice. And it's, you know, nothing catastrophic and massive like the other day with all the injuries but still quite a bit of news yeah mostly just um a lot more updates on on some of that stuff you were talking about a little bit more clarity um about kind of the abs current situation uh first and foremost bowen byram was uh was back out there practicing again with the team this is his second day in a row going through practice with the team uh he was wearing the red non-contact but uh i put a video out on twitter I mean, he, he was going through drills at, at full speed. Um, obviously, when you're out there, I mean, you guys know, like, the no contact means, like, don't hit this guy. But, you know, they're bumping into guys. He's boxing guys out in front of the net. So, um, looks like he's continuing to get better. He's not going to go to California. And Jared Bednar said that is literally for his benefit because the abs are going to skate uh, in one 30-minute practice the whole trip they're out in California. So he said, Byram's staying here. He'll skate for four days instead of one. Um, So this is one of those cases where him not going with the team is actually probably the better thing. But Bednar said they are working towards um, that that kind of being the next step, him starting to travel with the team, uh, being around everyone, that he's continuing to progress. Um, EJ also spoke after practice, said that Bo seems kind of back to his normal self. He's, you know, joking, uh, having fun in the locker room. Uh, I can't remember who it was. Someone asked um, EJ if he's kind of given him any uh, advice, you know, being someone who's dealt with injuries and stuff. And he said, nope, uh, I'm just kind of letting him do his thing. Everybody that talks to him is giving him the, how are you doing? How's it going? He's like, so I'm just not trying to add to that. If he wants to talk, I'm here. But sounds like things are positive for Bo. It is uh, uh always funny when you see a guy in a non-contact and it's like well you can't hit me but i can hit you yeah <laughs> i can initiate contact yeah but, um but yeah so you know i mean he, he's definitely in i mean no one's hitting each other at practice anyways sure. but um but but you know mixing yeah. it up we're not and... we're not at that part of the season where guys are trying to win a job and gonna smoke one of their <laughs> you do that yeah, you but... do that in october straight up um so no, so so you know, good to see him. Uh, he does have the tin advisor, but um, things are continuing to progress, trending towards him at least giving it a go back in the lineup. Um, so obviously Gerard Landeskog, right? Yep. Um, first, I asked Bednar if they were planning on calling anyone up for this road trip, and he said no. So they are going to roll with that same lineup that we saw last night. Uh, for the games against LA and San Jose, obviously barring anything happening, um, having to make a call up between those two games. Um, that is all for cap space reasons. Yep. I, I don't fully understand exactly how the accrual works down to like the dollars and cents. Um, but <clears throat> basically for every day that they don't call one of those guys up, they are accruing cap space. They will have more to play with. The three of us were talking about it right before we started the show. I imagine that Landeskog will get hit with the LTIR tag here eventually. I don't necessarily think they'll do it for Gerard. 
Um, but so Landy on LTIR combined with them not calling someone up should leave them with a decent amount of cap space uh, come a week from today. And I think we're all in agreement. Look, if you're doing this swing for the fences, right? Yep. Go big or go home. Yeah. If, you, if you're going to go through the hassle of, of doing all this stuff, uh, I, I imagine it's for some reason. Yeah. Uh, Landy uh, is still having his surgery today, so he will be under the knife as of today. But again, they're, they're sounding pretty confident that he should be back uh, in, in time for playoffs. Good to go. Um, he said it's not an MCL, ACL, PCL, meniscus, anything like that. Um, Bednar said it wasn't something that he, <clears throat> he had heard of before, but um, everything, everything is going according to plan as of right now. Curious Here's, what it is because it's not like there are undiscovered parts of the knee. <laughs> ben well, Landy, like, was, like it wasn't. It's not like discovering a new island and adding an island on a map, right? Like, right. You have a pretty good idea of what knees are. Well, are, it was funny because like when with. he was when he was listing off everything that it wasn't, I was like, okay. "That's a whole not, knee. Not much left. <laughs> yeah. There is not much left." Um. So then here is the, this was kind of the interesting part of uh, media availability. Uh, Bednard had uh, made a comment about uh, the fact that both Gerard and Landeskog were dealing with lingering injuries. The stuff that's been bothering them all season. Uh, he said that G had, had been having issues with it early in the season. He had had some treatment done and things were starting to get better and progress. And then it just kind of stopped working, fizzled out. It's really been bothering him. And so I asked him, I said, do you think that that has impacted his play? And he goes, yeah, I do. You know, I've never dealt with a back injury, but I'm given to understand those are the ones that, you know, every movement you make and everyone in the media room kind of sat up. And I said, so is it a back injury? And he goes, uh, yeah, lower body. <laughs> ah, yes. The lower body is the back. Confirmed. Yeah. <laughs> we now know. <laughs> so, so safe to say. I mean, depending on, depending on what it is, man, it can be. I use a, I use a little massage gun on my lower back. You know what it does? Helps my feet. So yeah. Yeah, there you go. You're the, the, the way that the way that the body is all connected is uh, <laughs> yeah. it can be, it can be kind of a wild ride at times when you're trying to fix something that's wrong. So, um, so yeah, it, it sounds like it's something to do with his back. To I mean, to that point, AJ, maybe it, it stems from his back, but you know, it's yeah. affecting you know whatever. Um, so that was that was definitely an interesting, uh, an interesting comment because again, we had only gotten LBI, so it sounds like it's back, lower back, um, for Gerard. Uh, I don't get the sense that they they will LTIR him just based on the way he was talking. Uh, it sounds like it's just going to be about three, four weeks of uh, treatment for Gerard uh, before bringing him back. And it's really interesting that they have it at it's going to be four weeks. Yeah. But it's like, hey, we're going to just treat him like this right. for four. Like, we're going to give him this. Like, we have like this specific treatment plan. I just, I find that to be an interesting conversation. Yeah. Yeah. And, and obviously the LTIR for Gerard wouldn't really do much for him anyways, if, if he's coming back before playoffs start. Um, so there's no real sense in doing it. Like uh, you could, but right. you could also just put him on IR and it's fine. And be, and be fine. Yeah. yeah. 
So it's not a big um, deal. Yeah, that those were definitely <clears throat> the interesting ones. And then and then the last little thing, it's not really so much of an update, um, but I did ask EJ um, about trade deadline coming up and how much that's weighing on the team and, and, and things like that. And he said like, look, we're not specifically talking about it, but he's, there's always going to be a couple guys who are safe and don't really have to worry about it, but there it's definitely yeah, a little I mean, uh, <laughs> unnerving was what he said. I imagine Kale McCarr is not losing a lot of sleep. <laughs> <laughs> oh, the yeah. deadline's coming up. <laughs> the ghost, you know? <laughs> uh, and, and, you know, EJ, you know, he said, you have to keep in mind that from a human, from the human aspect of it, there's likely going to be at least one guy from this team who's going to have his life uprooted um, in the next seven days. And he'll be across the country playing for someone else with new teammates and stuff like that. So, um, you know, we've talked about it a little bit on this show that, I think they're them and, and, you know, a lot of the top contenders are at the point where, okay, let's get through the next week. We'll know who's here. We'll know who's not here. And we can kind of go from there. Um, and EJ definitely said like, yeah, that's, that's how we're feeling. Like we want to get this over with. Um, he said we have a really, really tight knit locker room right now. Um, he made the comedy was, I don't know how much Joe will want to mess with that by, if by taking anyone out, but we're hoping that we're just going to add. So, if well, they move Landy to LTIR... They don't have any choice. Yep. Well, if you move Landy to LTIR, you don't <clears throat> have to move someone out. Yeah, but even um, if you add, you can't just you can't just be like, well, now we play 21 guys every night. Yeah. Like, even if, they, even if they add, somebody's coming out of your lineup, man. Like... Well, but... I mean, that's that's pretty different from... Yeah, I mean, I'm just saying... Like, having function, someone traded... Like, yeah, functionally, like you know, that guy could still only be in the locker room, but yeah, like you can't just be like, "Well, we added only," and it's all exactly the same. I mean, I, like there's going to be some changes coming up I, in the I, next week, but well, yeah, but yeah, I, I do think wonder. that chemistry is one thing that we have not really talked a lot about for sure. Yeah, but I also think that that's why you know, like. Two months ago, I was like, maybe they would float a Burakovsky, you know, type of move. And I just don't think that they're going to do anything big like that. I don't think they're going to have any big subtractions. I I do wonder if you go down the Avs lineup and you ask these guys, would you rather be a healthy scratch for this team every night or would you rather get traded? I wonder I mean, what the answers would be. I, I'd be willing to this bet. team... <laughs> Pretty sure. much every last one would say, "Give me the healthy." Scratch. I hear you. Probably, I think he'd probably the scratch. They all probably feel team. like they could win a cup as a healthy scratch with this yeah. team. But yeah, and they're all like, I'm, "I'm an injury away from back in that lineup." You know, like not 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 rooting for it, but I'm not far out of here. Sure. Yeah. So I would say I would say healthy scratch for this team, but you know, a guy like a guy like JT Comfer, Tyson Jost, I think those are the guys that are the most like they're the obvious candidates here. Sure. But and if you're talking about an off-season move, like I, I would be willing to bet you that both of those guys would say, I'd rather be traded so I can yeah. go play. But at this point in the season, I mean, everyone remembers <clears throat> Adam Deadmarsh, 2001, yep. traded at the deadline for Rob Blake. And it's just like to I have mean, to sit there and watch all of your friends and teammates and Aaron Miller, too. They yeah, both had I, to, they had, I they couldn't, had to eat that. I knew it was Ryan Precht that came back as the other guy, but I could not remember who the other guy was. Uh, but yeah, so yeah, Miller and Deadmarsh, like 
That's got to be tough. No one wants to yeah. be in that situation. In the summer, give me Sorry, the playing somebody. time at trade deadline. I'll stay up there and, and get my ring. Yeah. <laughs> trade me in the off season. It's fine. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Okay. Well, we are brought to you by Breckenridge Brewery, the official beer of DNVR. You, uh, you might need some for trade deadline day, depending on how the day goes and how you feel about things. So, how uh, how early are we starting? Like ten? I think like ten. Yeah, noon, okay. noon Eastern is when we usually start. So, okay, maybe if something really happens. Yeah, obviously we'll jump on early if maybe the we'll do something. Early. But yeah, yeah, a domestic off for a fourth at six o'clock in the morning was not yeah. enough to do a show. Right. <laughs> I told uh, Hannah scheduled some dinner plans for us for Saturday. We're like going to a friend's house. Mm-hmm. And I was like, that's fine. I just need to give you warning right now. On the off chance something happens yep. <laughs> at dinner, I said, I, I, I'm apologizing in advance. I may just have to split <laughs> with, Bye. you know, someone's pouring wine. Like, <laughs> sorry, got to go. I was like, you're, you're, we're 36 hours to the deadline at that point. Yeah. Only so much I can do. <laughs> I mean, this last weekend was a great example of it, right? Like, we yeah. finally had, like, we actually had a, a real Saturday day off. off. Like, a whole day where it was just, like, no pod, no weekday, no work, no meetings, no nothing. Like, we didn't have to see each other at all unless we wanted to hang out and play games or whatever. Like, there was no work obligation. And middle of the afternoon, I'm like, I tell Z, I'm just like, I gotta go. I'm sorry. Like, yeah, we got to do this. The abs There's just broke. too much. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. There was just like like the Gerard news on its own, the Landeskog news on its own. I was like, yeah, we need, we, we got to get a written piece up. But that doesn't take very long. And then it was just like, we got to Also, they signed this. Frankie. <laughs> yeah. When they signed Frankie, I was on the phone with my mom, and I was just like, Mom, I got to go. I love you, but sorry. It work. <laughs> yeah. It was a bummer. It's the way it goes, man. Yeah, way. and that's that's where we are for the next uh, the next seven yeah. days. We are we are totally on guard at all times. Standby mode. Yeah, I I would be surprised if they did something on the road trip. So that's some sort of salvation for us. Is that I don't think they're going to do that, especially because they're not taking extra bodies. Which <laughs> I'm just saying, sometimes when a guy gets sick or a guy, yeah. you know. The it's, guy hurts himself in warm-ups or whatever. It's risky. Like, it's risky. There's a little bit of reap what you sow, but also you're they're trying to they're trying to cut the edge here. So I get it. I'm I'm gonna circle back to this after we let Rudo finish his Breckenridge brewery read, but yeah, I'm I want to circle back to what oh, yeah. you were just saying there. So go get yourself a Breck brew. If right. You're on standby for the next seven <laughs> days for Avalanche news for sure. Uh, jump on that one. You guys actually jumped the gun a little bit. You usually cut off my DraftKings read, which is up yeah. next. That's so. usually the one that we call because it spawns conversation, and I just forget that this is the longest read in <laughs> the history of advertising. So get on over to DraftKings Sportsbook. Use code DNVR when you sign up right now to get amazing odds boosts every day. They are giving – I believe this is even for, for non-new accounts uh, at this point. But get in on this because they have given you one-to-one odds on Gonzaga winning in the March Madness uh, tournament. It, it was minus 10,000 for the record without the boost. Uh, so it's literally you can bet up to $50 and get free money. 
jump on that. I don't even think you need the DNVR code for that one, but jump on that. Get in on DraftKings Sportsbook right now. You can bet on all sorts of stuff, whether it be college basketball, hockey, baseball, you name it. They got you completely covered on that one. With the DNVR code, you can also bet right now $5 on any team to win, and you get $200 in free bets. Uh, This is any team in the tournament. Any team. Pick a one seed. Pick a 15 seed if you think they're going to upset. I wouldn't. I would pick a one seed. Get your $200 in free bets. But if you got a vibe, go off on it. You can also do same game parlays all over the place, which are always fun. Picking uh, picking little specific things that you expect to happen. You can take uh, on in pro basketball, take Jokic rebounds plus the Nuggets to win. And both of those things hit pretty darn often. So jump over on that one. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code DNBR. We sign up to get the $5 bet to win a $200 bet on any game in the tournament if you pick the winner. Must be 21 or older, Colorado only. Other terms, restrictions, and conditions apply to DraftKings.com slash sportsbook for details. And if you have a gambling problem, call 1-800-522-4700. Also, if you didn't tune in last night, Avalanche Party Bus, April 16th. It's happening abs versus carolina game you can go buy your tickets right now on the dnvr locker they get you a bus to and from the bar to the game and back from the game they get you good tickets i believe it's in section 120 of the lower bowl of ball arena Uh, and we're all just going to go hang out and have a great time at ball arena it's going to be a big old party here at the bar well we're not at the bar right now but at the bar and at the arena so yeah, come have a great time with DNVR for what should be a, a dope hockey game for the Avs. All right, circling back around. <clears throat> yeah, so just just real quick, you know, mention, talking about they're not taking any extra guys on the trip. And, you know, you, you're going to run a risk when you do that. Something happens and you just kind of have to deal with it. I asked Bednar last night, um, the full quote is actually in uh, – I don't know if I don't know if the five on weekly five on five just went up or if it's about to go up. It's up. Uh, it's up. So head over there and read it. The full quote um, is at the end of that that article. Um, but I asked Bednar. Would you like me to read it? Uh, no, because it's kind of a long quote. Okay. And yeah, go go. Everyone everyone should go read it. Um, Word. I I asked him about uh, wh- where is this team's focused right now because you know they were talking about the the four game four losses out of five nights and uh you know i said are you guys concerned about winning the president's trophy you know had calgary won tonight they would close that gap to six points in the west how focused you guys are on on that where you finish in the standings versus we just want to be playing our best hockey come playoff time and paraphrasing here, I mean, he basically said, we don't give a shit about President's Trophy, Western Conference, uh, any of that stuff. He, he said, it doesn't mean anything. They are focused on being at their best and putting the best product on the ice they can come playoff time. And I think they are fully prepared to, AJ, I think, you, you know, the words you just used was, you know, reap what you sow. Yeah, we're going to take some risks and we are prepared to have to deal with the consequences of our actions because we are more concerned with what we are doing seven weeks from now 
than, you know, getting through these, you know, a road trip or a weekend. And yeah, if we have to play short, we have to play short. Mm -hmm. If that means it's going to benefit us come playoff time. Um, So, you know, it it was really interesting. And and he had like a, a a very seriousness to himself when he was talking about all of it. Um, Yeah. Yeah. Uh, You know, said he hadn't looked at the standings all year. Um, like not even looking at him, not paying attention to him. So it's just, it's really interesting. Um, you know, there's a comment right there from, from Rob. Yeah. This team talked about that last year. We want to win the president's trophy. We want home ice. That's something we want to do. We were focusing on that. That's a goal for us. I think they they saw last year doesn't get you anything. They didn't even, they didn't even have home ice advantage. Got them, got them. Game five at home, they just lost it. I guess that's true. Yeah. Yeah. But it, it uh, just really interesting. Yeah. Like I said, go, go over and, and uh, click on the weekly five on five, read the full quote. Um, I thought it was interesting. thought he had some <clears throat> interesting things to say. Okay. Let's get into the main topic of the day, which is value of avalanche trade assets. I want to start with the actual roster players themselves because we saw a ton of, of different guys getting moved in our uh, roast my roster series. Uh, obviously the ones everyone are talking about are Tyson Jost and JT Comfer. We also saw a lot of people try and move Darren Helm. We saw a lot of people try and move Ryan Murray. We saw some people even try to sneak up and, and move an Andre Burkowski. So I think on some of these guys, there's a debate of if they're even a positive asset at all in a trade. Yeah. So tough conversation there because uh, if you're an opposing team I, let's just start with Confer. like sure. I guess let's 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 remove a bunch of names from this conversation the entire abs top six forward core not happening. take it off the table Alex just, Newhook not happening yeah yeah I think Alex Newhook has probably played his way into they're not doing it uh okay so you've got that like you're there are seven forwards that we just removed from the conversation. Let's take away Taves. Let's take away Makar. Yep. With the injury, I would say we could probably take away Gerard. I would think so too. Um I'm a little if you're on that one. Uh d- d- he has a nineteen team no trade clause. Oh really? I thought it was a Yeah. Player. So there's like there's a door open there, but I think it'd be really hard for them to do it. To I, I think I think I think the EJ thing goes beyond business, and it would be very tough for them to move EJ, yeah, yeah. the person before this run. I think this when they get to the summer, all bets are off. They're going to do what they're going to do. They'll revisit the conversation, and whatever happens, happens. But I think that they're they're saying, hey, he's been healthy for us. He's been you know, I, I would be shocked if they did that to Eric Johnson. You know, that would be that would be like cold. Well, and that would just be a very like that would go very against the grain of what the way that Joe Sackick has operated as a GM yeah. and he's you know, been very pro player. And, yeah, yeah, very pro player, very just pro his people. Yeah, the abs people. Yeah, that. And and like business is business, and if you can get a deal and you can whatever, right? Like then, look, okay. if if the Flyers are like, we want Eric Johnson, we don't really need anything else. Yeah, yeah. then it's like, yeah. 
Sorry, EJ. <laughs> Yeah, like there, there's a world, but I, I, I just think it would be, I think it would be hard to do. I think it would be hard for them to do. So we can, we can take a bunch of these names off, and obviously neither goaltender is going anywhere. I think. Yeah. yeah. Um, you just re-signed Frankie, and Darcy Kemper is playing great hockey for you. So I don't, I don't imagine that there's a goalie going anywhere. Yeah. So all those names, I think, just take them off the table. Uh, JT Confer's. If you're if you're an opposing team, you're looking at JT Confer, and I think it's fair to ask, what's the value? Yeah, I because really... if you if you look at it, look his last three seasons, he scored 11, 10, and eleven goals. Yep. So he puts the puck in the net, mm-hmm. and that's a thing that everybody that teams are always going to value. He's right around. Uh, his, he's got a career high of thirty two. Uh, 32 points with a 31-point season, and per-game averages, that would get him into the 30-point mark uh, as well yep. he, last year and good, this year. He's he, relatively good playoff performer, too, for the Avs. Uh, yeah, I mean, he has 19 points in 43 playoff games, so yeah. yes. And he's he's chipped in points in each of their playoff runs now this most recent one last year he only had two points in 10 games but he has been i mean and scored some big goals he scored the game tying goal in game two of that series against calgary yep that you know they were on the verge of going down to nothing in that series we saw how that whole thing turned around you know mckinnon scores the overtime winner and we remember that but comfort got the game tying goal and he's been he's been a guy that has come up with some memorable goals in, in recent years. So there's that. And as a guy that has moved all over Colorado's lineup, that's your selling point if you're Colorado. Right. JT Comfort can play anywhere in your top nine forwards. He probably shouldn't play on your second line, but he can moonlight there. He's right-handed. He can take face-offs. He's actually doing a, a good job in the face-off circle this year. So you're talking, yeah, he plays, plays on he both can play on both, yeah, plays on both, both special teams units. He's 26 and he's only signed for one more year at 3.5 million after this. As, of course, I say he's done a good job in the face-off circle and his face-off percentage has gone down. So <laughs> it's, it was, it was at like 51, like two weeks ago. Now it's 49. So, but ultimately uh, he's, he's Possible. only, He's lost five more faceoffs than he's won this year, so it's not like a catastrophic, right? Look, that's like one good. Not, that's good for an abs player. Okay. <clears throat> yeah, like one good night, and he's back on top of it yeah. in in the faceoff circle. So, in fact, the Devils game is the reason why he's negative. <laughs> that's it. That's why he's negative five. Um. So you're saying like Comfer Comfer has value as as a guy, but on a championship team, we've seen him disappear a little more each season. Yep. Now he was huge at the start of the year this year. He it's felt like he scored all of Colorado's goals this first month of the season. Yep. When they had all those injury all the injuries, right? Like it was a total mess. And Comfer carried the offense. But since then, it's been a lot more of the comfort that we saw last year, who scored a shitload of points right at the end of the season, just to just to make it look passable. Yep. Because the first like thirty games of the of the year last year, he had like two points, 
So with Confer, it was kind of the same thing with Confer uh, this year, but in reverse, where he just had not been very good. He just had not been uh, really good enough offensively for you. Um, 16 yeah, goals eight. in 18-19. Yeah, well, and he can shoot. Crazy. He can shoot, man. Like he's not yeah. a he's not a bad shooter. When he goes but, to the net, yeah. And well, and you're seeing here, he has three points in the last two months. All three of them goals. He has no assists <laughs> since January. Jeez. And that's kind of surprising because when you watched yeah. him in college, he was a playmaker, and you watched him in San Antonio for the one season, he was a playmate. He's always been a guy who has playmaking elements. And you're kind of wondering, where did they go? Yep. And I just, I think, look, it's funny now, um, but he got overpaid. Yep. I took some shit for saying it the day he got signed, but he got overpaid by a little bit. I I don't think it's drastic. The people that want to pretend like he's fucking useless or he's a million-dollar player or anything are high. (laughs) <laughs> because guys that score you 12-ish goals every single year, they're always going to have value in the NHL. They're just always going to. Well, and then, and then again, when you combine it with a lot of the stuff that you're talking about here, face-off guy, kills penalties, has played on the top power play unit, you know, with Nathan McKinnon, yeah. Cal McCarr, he's played in that group. Right. You are always going to – those guys aren't – readily available in the NHL. It's hard to find guys right. that are as versatile mm-hmm. as JT Comfer has been for the Avs. Maybe not as much this year, but throughout his tenure here, well, he's I, done a lot yeah. of things that's hard to find. I think part of that versatility, especially versatility rather, especially that's going to interest teams is a, he's a guy that can play center. And yeah, the Avs haven't needed him to play center a ton, despite him taking faceoffs this year because they have Alex Newhook because they've, run a rotating cast of centers on their fourth line over the season teams see centers and value goes up it's just a fact of the nhl yeah yeah straight up and maybe that's why he ended up getting paid by a little extra was because he has he has the center to his name and they're just more valuable um you look at his fancy stats and he doesn't drive play offensively but he's always been he's always been a, a decent shot suppressor. He's always been kind of a low event guy, so you're trending toward more towards not a lot is happening out there. But <clears throat> ultimately, you're talking about a guy that like for every for every pro there's a con, but for every con there's a pro. You know, like you can just match it. He's 26 years old. He'll be he'll turn 27 uh, later this year. I think it's next month, actually. Um, yeah, April 8th. I thought so. So he turns 27. Like you, right in his prime. Whoever whoever wants to go and get the guy is going to have one year, and then they're going to be able to. They're going to have to deal with the free agency tax to resign him, but. I, I don't I don't like this talk around JT Confer that he's totally without value. Sure. Because I think there are plenty of teams. You look at I, I'll use the Winnipeg Jets as an example because I think they're a wonderful example of how how thin the margin is between a quality team that can contend and a can and a team that's fighting for a playoff spot that you don't take very seriously. They have a high end goalie 
They have an okay defense. Their defense should probably be better than it has been. I don't think their coaching is very good, so that's probably holding them back. They have a very, very talented forward core at the top. And then it falls into an abyss. guys like Evgeny Svechnikov and Dom Toninato. And like you're talking about a bunch of guys that may not be in the league if they did not have a job in Winnipeg. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And JT Comfer is a guy that that fills that gap where you're like, look, he's not a guy that should be in the AHL. He's not a high-end NHL player. He's not an AHL player. He's a guy that fits into the world of third and fourth line jobs that can actually provide you with some decent amount of play. On his good nights, he's a difference maker. On his bad nights, he's a problem. But on all the nights in between, which is where most of those NHL players live, say 60 games of the year, he's fine. He doesn't doesn't crush you, but he doesn't lift you up. Like, he gets you by. So and and go ahead, Rudy. No, no, go you finish it. Well, I was gonna say, and, and and on those sixty nights, he's got enough upside that okay, if he just exists, yeah, you know, he's just there. He has enough upside yeah. and enough skill and enough kind of hard nose that he can do something for you. He's having a very average night. Suddenly, he has one shift. He goes. I mean, like you were saying, we've seen it in the playoffs. He goes to the net, and the puck just kind of finds him. And he can do good things for you. And, uh, again, we've talked a lot about quadruple A players. I think he's the tier above that. The other thing to me that's appealing. Yeah, he's a legit NHL player. Oh, yeah, for sure. I get really frustrated when people talk about him like he's not. Right. He's a a real player. And the other thing that I think has a lot of value for other teams is exactly what you said. You know, he he can moonlight in your top six. Maybe you don't want him there for more than a handful of games at a time. You might be able, you might, you might start getting exposed a bit. But back at the beginning of the season, he was the kind of go-to to fill in on that top line when McKinnon was out, and that was when he was playing. You know, he picked up a lot of the points that he's got so far this season. Um, he's got a little bit of that John Mitchell Swiss Army knife. You can move him up and down. He's just talented enough to play with kind of whoever. Um, and it's easy to forget. This is a very this this Avalanche team is deeper than ninety eight percent of NHL teams. Um, there's a lot of teams that would happily take a JT Confer in their middle six. Yeah, yeah, and that's and that's where look the the reality is a three and a half, and teams are still pinching the pennies a little bit. That like there's there there's a real issue there, but there's only one year left. Uh, so it's not like somebody's like owning on like, oh, we're going to take on three years of this deal or whatever. Right, it's right. one year beyond this. And there are plenty of like Buffalo type teams that could use a guy like that in well, in their middle six, bottom six that just elevates their floor. Sure. So, I mean, keep that thought in mind because the real conversation here is – Who's going to hold more value to a team, JT Comfort or Tyson Jost? Now, well, and Tyson Jost take a lot of what we said and then just lower the ceiling on what what he's done in the NHL. I, I agree on the ice. I think you're probably looking at JT Comfort. Jost probably a little bit more effective defensively on the penalty kill, things like that. But then you look at 
one, Jost is significantly cheaper on his cap hit. Two, Jost is an RFA at the end of his deal. And that's where that's where I think Jost probably has the advantage from the business side of this. <clears throat> is that uh, his underlying numbers, uh, Jost's underlying numbers are very good uh, defensively, but they're also not bad offensively. They're in the same area. Now, we've seen with Jost, the fin- he struggles to beat goaltenders. Yep. And you see this every single year, his goals have gone down in the NHL. He's gone from 12 to 11 to 8 to 7, and now he has 6. So... You know, and obviously there's a games played component in there because not all the seasons have been the same length. Mm-hmm. Uh, but one, he has been a, a relatively healthy guy. He's played. He's played the majority of Colorado's games. The, the his 67 game season, they only played I think 72 games that year. Last year, they it was a 56 game season. He played 54 of them, and he's played 59 of 60. And the one game he didn't play, he was a healthy scratch. So you're talking about he's been a healthy guy. He can he's not going to help you in a faceoff circle at 39%. He gets crushed, uh, but he has he does have that PK ability. He does. I do. I will always think that there's just a little bit more skill than your average fourth line guy. Where it just looks like for whatever reason, it has all of it. It just hasn't all come together for Tyson Jost. And I think we're we're all probably in agreement that at this point in Colorado, he is who he is. The lineup got too good ahead of him. And the success that he had last year was probably driven by being tied next to Val Nichushkin a lot. Where he was he was it, it was like, wow, he's taking a step into being an elite defensive wing right. or defensive type of, of forward. And not just a good one. And now he's back to being more of good, not not anywhere near elite. But again, you're talking about a guy who's really young. He just turned 24 today. Mm-hmm. So happy birthday to him. <laughs> uh, but but like he's 24 years old. He signed for two million dollars next year. But as Rudo mentioned, still an RFA after that. So you're getting you're getting a cheap season next season, and then you're you, you whatever, right? We don't know what happens after that. But that's a so, guy that has always been a put him in another team, put him in another situation, and maybe he flourishes in an in an expanded role with more talent around him. So it's so funny that you bring that up about him being much more skilled than your average fourth liner. When the team was just skating around this morning as they were waiting for practice to get started, I just I was watching him just out there with the puck on his stick. And I had that exact same thought. I said, God damn. I said, it's so disappointing that it's just never all come together because the kid is just so skilled. He is such a good player when he, you know, just when he's just kind of out there. And we've seen him at training camp and stuff do some awesome things. And he works with Nathan McKinnon before and after practice. And he's got so much of that skill. It's just struggled to all come together. And I have long had this, I'll call it a conspiracy theory that the year that the abs traded Matthew Shane and, and 
went on kind of the surprise run to the playoffs where they were bounced by Nashville was maybe like the worst thing that could have happened for Jost. They signed him at the end of the year, uh, the 48 point season. So the season before he came in and I think everyone was really encouraged by what we saw. He scores a goal in the last game of the season. So he doesn't really have high to skill goal too. High kind school of goal, goal that we have not seen since. From, from in tight, um, beat Devin Dubnik up high, like basically from the goal line. Well, um, had the, the, he had the stick in his feet. And he, yeah, yep. he, lift, he moved the puck around the stick on the fly and then beats him high like that. High, and it was like... Short side, yeah. You're like, oh my God, the kid is going to be so sick. And, and so you see that. And, and, you know, you're like, all right, now he doesn't have to sit all summer thinking that he didn't – or knowing that he didn't score. Mm-hmm. And then they came back, and I think a lot of the goal was, you know, with, with that huge kind of influx of youth, the Kerfoot, Comfort, Jost, was these guys are going to be able to get time. We're going to let them go out there and make their mistakes yeah. and eat a lot Andrew of minutes. Andrew Ghetto, too. Andrew Ghetto. And the season just never really – again, for good reasons – never really broke that way. And I remember getting into games later in the season and Tyson Jost was, I mean, playing six, seven minutes. And it was just one of those things where it's like, well, yeah, you can't, you're trying to get into the playoffs. You can't afford to have him out there making those rookie mistakes and and learning through those, you know, bad play in the defensive zone, getting out muscled. And I always felt like the abs, they were just too, they were in contention enough that Jost never really got to have that development season where you go out there and you make the mistakes and you learn who you are and learn who you're not. I'm not saying that that would have made all the difference and he'd be an all-star had that happened, but it was just always something that I thought affected Joe's career, um, you know, development trajectory more than we kind of ever gave it credit for that. He just, he did have to kind of go to playing second fiddle well, that whole season, his rookie the, year. The argument a lot of people make here, right, is that if they were going to be playing him six, seven minutes a night, why didn't they just send him to the AHL? Why didn't they give Can him we, that opportunity? Hold on, hold on. Let's I I don't I don't know of an overly polite way to do this, but this isn't true. Okay. What? Yeah. Uh, that's the most he's ever played in his career. That's the most he's averaged. Um, I'm looking at his, uh, that's the, uh, Jost's ice time in his rookie season is the most ice time he's ever averaged. And at the end of, and at the end of the season, he was playing 18, 16 to 18 minutes a night, pretty regularly. Uh, and even, yes. And even into the postseason, the lowest ice time that he got was the game five that, Hamburglar stole. He played 11 minutes. Jost was playing a ton at the end of his rookie so season. Did this downturn in minutes come the next year then? or So, because the last 20 games of the season, he averaged 16 minutes a night. Sure. Sure. But at a certain point, we've seen his minutes get cut significantly. Yeah. Well, and then it's really since then, it had actually been on the downswing until last year. Okay. Because his rookie year, he averaged fourteen thirty eight. Then he went down to thirteen. Then he went to twelve forty six, which isn't like a major. Sure. It's like fourteen seconds, and then he went back up to fourteen. And this year, he's back down to twelve forty nine. So I don't. I, I, I. We don't need to get into like the details of what went wrong in Tyson Jost's career. That's Agreed. kind of derailing our conversation here. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. I'm just saying that this. 
this is a little bit of the strike sand effect. Uh, we're we're well, so either way though, either way, so isn't you, super true. I do think minutes, I, I, either way, what I'm saying is that I will I I always I always envisioned a much bigger role from regardless of what the minutiae is of the what the actual minutes were. I think there was a plan for a much bigger role for him that that rookie season. Well, and what I agree with you is that Andrew Ghetto had had several years of pro experience. Kerfoot and Comfer are both several years older. As the youngest guy with no pro experience, uh, he really just – he had the slowest adjustment period, and his role suffered because of that. That's where I'm agreeing with you. I'm just – I don't want to. I don't want to get into like the details of this because we're supposed to be talking about trade cut line it, value. Cut it back. What? Yeah. How, what are teams? So really if you're if you're valuing Comfort versus Jost, it's really about what you want because yeah. Comfort is a guy that's going to be able to right. reliably score a few more goals for you. Jost is going to have a more clearly defined role in your bottom six, but as a younger, cheaper player, it's easier to dream on him, right? He's he's your pedigree champion at this deadline where he goes in a deal and maybe he ends up outplaying the role that he's played in Colorado wherever he lands. That's where I think his big appeal is. His $2 million, his youth, all of that is good. All of that is an easy selling point. The the fact that he's playing in a very defensive role and is comfortable in it is great. The fact that character-wise – He's unimpeachable. He's a great young kid. He's got a great, he's got a great head on his shoulders. He's an unbelievably hard worker and he's absolutely dedicated to hockey as his life, as his everything. He, he never stops working. He's a big old hockey junkie. He's everything that you want as a human being in your organization. That also will appeal to teams come deadline time, because if you're looking for a culture change, I use Buffalo again as an example. If you're looking for a culture change, why not go and get a guy like Tyson Jost? Why not try and target a guy like that to help you build, again, build out your floor so that you stop having these 65-point seasons where you go nowhere and losing becomes your culture? So this is a, that's, that's another selling. And it's not to say that JT Comfort doesn't have a great character or anything like that. They're BFFs for a reason. Like JT Confer is also a great dude who works very hard. So it's it's interesting that these are the two guys that we're talking about as like the ones who are going to go. But they're the ones who have the appeal. Nobody needs Darren Helm. You know, like from a deadline perspective, the team that trades for Darren Helm is Colorado. Not the team that gives Darren Helm up, you know? Like, Joe yeah. Comper are just the obvious, like, young guys, youngish guys who could get bigger roles elsewhere and could be could have more expanded impacts on lesser teams. Well, they're, I mean, they're, they're the, the classic. There is – every team has two of these guys where everyone says, you know, any <laughs> – Anyone who ends up trading for him, oh well, you know he was good, but he was on their like fourth line. He'll yeah, play on the second yeah. line here, and he'll be exactly. great. Every yeah. team has and one of these guys, and they're the two candidates for the ads. And you, it happens one out of every ten. You know, Sam Bennett <laughs> goes from Val Calgary Nichushin. to Florida, and for whatever reason, Val Nichushin. So you know, you see it happen, but these are the guys that is so easy to talk yourself into that upside yeah and, and as much but, as abs fans don't like them for whatever reason 
Yeah, well, and like, look, do they need to do they need to provide more production? Like, as soon as you get paid, expectations go up. Yep. And you can make the argument that each guy got the contract that they're currently on and has not lived up to that billing. Fair enough. I don't really personally care to get too deep into that. That's not the point of our show today. Um, but I would say as trade assets, there's a reason those two guys get brought up more often. Like I agree. It's just because they they make the most sense. They're the easiest ones to trade, but they also have the easiest selling points for other teams. Now, if you get into Colorado's defense, Jack Johnson's not getting traded. Why would he? Colorado has a league minimum defenseman who's moonlighted in their top four for the last several weeks and been fine. Jack Johnson's going nowhere. Ryan Murray, we talked about it last night. Ryan Murray played more even strength ice time than anybody outside of their top pairing last night. And he's played the best that he has in his Colorado tenure over the last two weeks. Ryan Murray, Bednar, Bednar all of a sudden, Ryan, Ryan Murray doesn't just look like a, a warm body, Ryan Murray looks like a guy that's trying to trying to earn a top four job. J- Jared Bednar went like, on for about 30, 40 seconds in postgame last night about Ryan Murray. And he, he he said his play's been doing this. He was what Bednar said. He said his play's been doing this for the last two, three weeks. Uh, and, and he's just getting better and he's putting in the you know, cliche, cliche, cliche. But sure. I mean a lot of good things to say about Ryan Murray last night. So I agree with you. I Again, like we said with EJ, if one of those teams that's on on the list says we really want Ryan Murray, they'd do it. But I don't, I don't know if they're looking to it's, move I mean, him given the way he's playing it, right now. It's just the case with any <clears throat> defense, right? I think we all agree the Avs are probably looking to get better on defense at the deadline. There's only six spots. Moving a defenseman out, it gets a lot harder to get better at defense, no matter who the defenseman is. So, point. you know. If you're looking to add defensive depth, you can't just start moving dudes off of your defense. And then I, I think we probably all agree that they're not going to trade McDermott. Why, why would they? Who would they, be interested in it? If they wanted to, I don't know that anyone would pay anything for him. Well, and like at most, he's he's your Kosmachuk in the Burakovsky deal. Right, so just you know, like he's, yeah. he's like he's like that really bit part that goes in a big deal where the team is like, "Can we take that guy off your hands? We'd really love yeah. that guy." Like, how hard would it be for the Flyers to to imagine the Flyers being like, "We'd really love this guy to punch somebody in the face for us," <laughs> kind of and kind of remind our locker room what it's like to care again. Yeah, you know they've been so so hurt, so wounded. We they they need somebody to remind them that playing in the NHL is a privilege and they should be not treating it like Rasmus Ristolainen. <laughs> so, yeah, I I just yeah I'm I could see something like that, but I don't think a team is going to target him. Like the reality is, Colorado can't just add to their defense. Bowen Byram's working his way towards coming back. Like I know we aren't we aren't putting a timeline on it, but I'm sorry. The guy's fully practicing with the team. Uh, they talked <laughs> the fact that he's not traveling with the team specifically because of it's it's to his own benefit, right? Tells you that had they had this been a more robust road trip, he might have freaking gone. Yeah, yeah. That, I, ben, ben, I, I don't know how you do this if he continues to progress and he has no issues. I don't know how you 
I don't know how he doesn't return at some point this right. season. Yep. So you can't if, if they're going to add on defense. We all feel like they're going to add on defense. We all feel like they should add on defense. I don't. They can't just do that and not move somebody. I think Ryan Murray. Ryan Murray somebody, on the but... expiring deal. Two million Ryan Murray on the expiring hit. deal is just sort of a. I think he's just sort of the I, sacrificial lamb. I I don't know. I think they could run an eight D lineup. I think it's reasonable. And you know, McDermott goes back to being a forward permanently at that point. But okay. Yeah, I don't I, think it's. I, don't I think just it's think at question, that point, but... at that point, like, I hate to say this. Uh, this is awkward to say, but roster bait with me for a second. <laughs> You have you have Taves, you have Makar. If Byram comes back, Gerard gets healthy. Yep. Okay. There's your there's four of your guys right there. Okay. Mystery player X that they add at the deadline. Yep. Okay. There's five guys. You're probably not adding that guy and not playing him he's unless playing, it's gone really sure. poorly, I mean, like Soderbergh yeah, did last year. Assume like, he's playing. Yeah. So there's five of your guys. Now you have Ryan Murray, Jack Johnson, and Eric Johnson all as your sixth guy. Yeah. One, you have enviable depth, no doubt. But two of those guys are not playing. Like depth is great, but two of those guys are not playing for you every night. I don't. And I don't that's, know if any of those guys are playing for you every night. One, I think you're talking about certainly in EJ and Ryan Murray, two injury prone dudes that could afford some night off. And, and two, play a hot hand. Wh- whichever one of those guys is working as your six D. Play him, rotate him if you want. I, I don't think it's that big of a deal. Now, salary cap implications there of carrying an Eric Johnson six million dollars as your scratch kind of hard to swallow. But I mean, it is what it is at that point. But this is why I think that there's if, if they're going to add a D, like I think it's likely that one has to go somewhere. But one well, and like you make an interesting <laughs> point. Yeah, I was going to say if. if... I don't know. To me, it it looks more and more and more like they're going to do the cap circumvention thing. Landy yeah, well, will be out Landy, until game one. Like with Landy, they they have the freedom to maybe be, get a little cute up yeah, until right. right at the very end. And, and so you know, I, I don't know. Like the the the, the cap hit thing. Like it's a good point. You know about carrying that many guys, but I, I don't know. Maybe that's maybe that's their thought process. Is we want to be able to carry this many guys. Um, you know, we want to be able to add here and here. I, I don't know. I, I I agree with you, AJ. That I I don't. Conventional wisdom says why would you do that? But I, I don't know. Like the way you break it down, there, Ruta. Why wouldn't you I mean, have three guys that you're like? We have three guys we are extremely comfortable with in this I, last spot. I think the only reason you don't do that is you look at your AHL team and you go, huh, Justin Barron is right there. Well, we haven't talked about this. We're and that's where we're heading. The, and that's yeah. where we're heading. <laughs> Justin Barron, and we're talking about ranking Colorado tra- Avalanche trade assets. There's a three-headed prospect monster on defense that... Yep. But And we'll talk about Barron, Barron, and Hellison in just a second, but... When you wake up on days where the Avs have two injuries and a contract signing and or trade deadline day, you're going to need athletic greens to get you up and going quickly in the morning. Uh, Super easy. You just take a scoop of it, put it in your water, drink it down. It'll help you with a ton of stuff, whether it's having energy in the morning. You just need a quick breakfast. Also has you covered with 75 high quality vitamins, minerals, whole food source, superfoods, probiotics, and adaptogens too. So 
It's just, it's breakfast. It's your antibiotics. It's whatever you need. I guess probiotics, not antibiotics. I always get those mixed up. Sorry. Uh, there's so many of them out there. <laughs> Lots of biotics, but. Yes. I let the smart people figure those out. They tell me what's good for me and then I drink it. It's, it's that simple on my front. So be sure to go check out Athletic Greens if you haven't. They're a super awesome company. I know J- Jesse absolutely loves them and he's stealing everyone's Athletic Greens in the company. So uh, Thanks, AJ. <laughs> Be like Jesse. Go get yourself some Athletic Greens. They have over 7,000 five-star reviews so far, and a bunch of professional athletes recommend and use the product. So you know it works when you have pro athletes using that stuff. Uh, To make it easy, Athletic Greens is giving you a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase when you go to athleticgreens.com slash avalanche. So go to athleticgreens.com slash avalanche today, and you can reclaim your health and arm your immune system with convenient daily nutrition, especially heading into the cold and flu season right now. It's just one scoop in a cup of water every single day. That's it. No need for a million different pills or products to look out for your health. And then when you're all healthed out, you can uh, do some things that are a little bit less good for your health, like smoke some weed. If you go on over to Lightshade, who now has 12 locations, 11 locations. I always hey, who says it's number. less good for your health, huh? What are you, a I mean, narc or something? You know, inhaling smoke is usually not generally good, but things like topicals can what? definitely help you out. I regularly <laughs> seek out fires to just hang out in them. <laughs> Either way. Live on smoke inhalation. Any THC exactly. or CBD needs. Look, I guess like when you go to places like Lightshade, they'll give you like can of butter brownies and stuff so you don't have to smoke it yeah that's definitely a fair point uh (laughs) you can go over there use code dnvr with lightshade to get 25 percent off either in store or purchase online for pickup through them they have a bunch of amazing products ranging from topicals to you know actual weed the brownies i already mentioned uh they also have wana which is a great sleep aid uh, it's 20 to 100 THC CBD. So if you're looking to catch up on some shut eye, if you work crazy weird hours like we do covering hockey, sometimes they can really help out and, and get you to fall asleep right when your head hits the pillow. So check out their fast asleep gummies, their holistic plant-based solution tackles the root cause of sleeplessness like stress and pain, other options as well. Go look at them, go to Lightshade, go get everything you need between them and athletic greens. You'll be, you'll be living right for sure. Uh, Third period of the DNVR Avalanche podcast presented by DraftKings Sportsbook. I want to talk about the three defensemen. I do want to have this conversation first. Is there a piece in the Avalanche system more valuable than their 2023 first? So this is super interesting because the world has fallen over itself to talk about how special 2023's first round could be. Yeah. The fact that the league, the the industry, and like you hear this every year, oh, next year's draft, next year's draft. But <laughs> next year's draft. Between Mitchkov and Bedard. <laughs> and uh, uh, the kid that plays for the Chicago Steel in the USHL. Uh, oh, my God, I'm drawing a blank. His name's Adam something. Oh, this is going to bother me. This is going to bother me. <laughs> Sorry. This is bothering me. Look too. it up right now. Yeah. He has to know. <laughs> yeah. So I'll, Adam I'll, I'll just talk, I was going to say, interrupt me when you find it. I was just going to. Yeah, Adam Adam Fentilli, who like it's funny because it's been Bedard and Mitchkov. Like everybody's like, oh my god, oh my god, oh my god, right? But that kid 
is absolutely fucking crazy. And he's going to go to Michigan, and he's going to destroy. So the top of next year's draft is insane. Is Colorado's pick involved in that? No. But one more bullet in the gun of the 2023 draft is a good thing. And if you have multiple first-rounders, your chance of being able to move up, whatever, it's just really, really, really valuable. Yep. So 2023, a 2023 first is going to have more value this time around because of how people view next year's first round than it normally box. would trading yeah. a first round. Because normally when you trade a first round pick the next year, it's like uh, teams are like, oh, I really, I really want a first rounder this year. I really don't want to mess with like kicking this kid. I want to make the pick and move on. But because twenty because 23's first round is viewed so the way that it is, yeah. it is an, it is it is probably a little more valuable than normal. It's because the next year's draft class is we're gonna yeah, look at it like we do 2015. It's so that, so good. That draft pick is it's it's the mystery box, man. A boat's a boat, but the mystery box could be anything. It could even be a boat. Like that, that that's you you like Justin Barron, and I know we're gonna get the, you know you like the mm-hmm. Avs prospects. They've got first round talent prospects. Justin Barron has played some NHL games this year. Yeah, but I there is something about system, the unknown quantity. I think Justin Barron is probably the most valuable drafted prospect in Colorado system. He's in the AHL. He has great size. He has great mobility. He's he's right handed, which is always an extra boon because right-handed defensemen are just harder to find. He's in the AHL. He has NHL games. It's not many. It's just the two. Uh, but he's – the point is is that in a lesser organization, he might be in the NHL right now. Yeah. yeah. He might I, He might be, be in the NHL sure. right now. I don't so, know. I mean, he skated in the NHL this season with this team. Yep. <laughs> so did Jordan Gross. So let's, uh, you know, let's, re- let's remember those circumstances. But, yes – He's been very good in the AHL is the thing. Like he's been, he's been a very, uh, he's developed nicely. It's, it's really just been all arrows up pointing up since he got drafted. The only reason he got as far as he did was the blood clot issue that hurt him during his draft season. And he's fine. It's been, it's been all every, it's been all good since then. So I think I, 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 Genuinely, I just think you're you're looking at you're looking at, at, at the most valuable trade piece imaginable. He's an NH. I think in the eyes of the of of the organizations around the NHL, he's probably NHL ready. Well, especially the teams that you're gonna if you're the Abs that you're gonna be dealing with at the deadline. Yeah. these are sellers. If, if you're Philadelphia, guys, hell yeah, yeah. I mean, like, any, anybody that exactly that's not the kind of piece you want to try and build around, yeah, hundred totally. percent. That that you can plug in this year and have yeah. upside. Um, yeah, the, the there's a lot of teams around the league who I think would he kind of be in a similar situation here. Those are not the teams the Avs are going to be dealing with at the deadline. So, I do want to get a ranking of the three defensive prospects from you guys. Uh, it sounds like everyone's going to have Baron at one, but you do have Drew Hellison, who was an Olympian this year, definitely fills a little bit of a different role than the other two with a more mean defensive guy. I and think, then you have Barron's too. 
I think there will be organizations that have Hellison ahead of Baron because okay. they're going to value what Her- what Hellison does into their own culture, their own identity a little bit more. We value Hellison the way that we do because we say, oh, he's something different. He gives them more of that mean, nasty edge, that snarl. There are going to be teams out there, say like uh, Columbus, that want something like that more than they want a Justin Barron skill set. And then there are going to be teams out there that want what Sean Barron's does more than they want what Drew Hellison does. Whether that's because they don't have it in their own system or that's more their, the identity that they're trying to build. If you look at what Sean Barron's did in his freshman year at DU, we have not made enough of it because we don't spend a whole lot of time on the prospects the way that we used to. But his freshman year has been kick-ass. He has been, he has put himself into the, he is a no doubt in my mind, top 50 prospect in the NHL. And if he's not pushing top 20, it's only because of his size and nothing to do with what he's done on the ice. Because his, he has done everything for DU this year. He has, he, all situations, top pairing minutes, everything as a freshman at a, at a top five program. That's the kind of shit that you see Owen Power doing. Guys that get drafted in the top five. Yep. If he was not 5'10, he would be one of the best. If he was if he was six foot two. Hell, if he was six foot, he might be considered a top five defensive prospect in the entire NHL. Because his play has been that good. He's that smart. He has that kind of upside. When you're looking at him and you're like, he's got top four upside, and if you really want to dream on him, you could maybe put him on a top pairing. The the only thing holding him back from having us having a star conversation is that he's a legit 5'10", and that's really tough to overcome. Do you guys think that, <clears throat> assuming he gets into the right circumstance, he would leave after one year, college, leave college after one year, or do you think he's going back? I think he should go back if only because his physical limitations, you put him in a college program and you let him build it up. And then I think you're having, even even with the apps, I think you're having, if he has the kind of sophomore year where he builds off of what he did this season, you could have a serious conversation about signing him after next year. I absolutely and, think that. And so that that is where, you know, if, you, if you're asking me to rank them – for this year's deadline, mm-hmm. the way that I think a, a lot of teams, and to your point, AJ, every team has their own stylistic preferences, of course. Yep. But I'd be willing to bet that it would look something like Baron, Hellison, Barons. Because again, yep. just the teams that we're talking about here want someone who's going to be able to jump in and contribute and help yeah. sooner that's rather also, than later. That's also the correct order in proximity to the NHL. Yep. Yeah. And that's an important factor when you're talking about trading. Look, if you're if you're trading with a team that is like Arizona, full-blown rebuild, then Barons has more value because you mm-hmm. they're less worried about proximity to the NHL. If we're talking about the Flyers, the Flyers are more worried about, hey, we want to we want to get we want to get talent and all that and, you know, Barons might be a redundant skill set to Cam York anyway, but they want to compete next year. They want to get a guy that can help their team next year. So proximity to the to the NHL is an important factor in how they're making that list. 
And then, you know, AJ, you and I did a TDSP uh, two weeks ago, I think, where one of the things we talked about was weird biases in scouting and drafting and stuff like that. Yeah. And I'm not saying that it's a, yeah. a weird bias, but, you know, Drew Helson went and played at the Olympics. Wow, he's played, he's played against grown men, professionals, and, you know, he went out there and held his own. There is, again, right, wrong, and different. There well, is value a letter to that. At BC. Right. So, you know, I, I just think that there's a couple things at this year's trade deadline where I, I agree with you about Barron's. If he had a little bit more size, maybe he looked at differently. But um, I, I do just think there's going to be a little bit more value put on Hellison because there's just a little bit more there to go on for you to believe this guy could help us. Well, he's, the, proto- he's the prototype Quickly. guy that any – old hockey guy is going to be like, oh, he's mean and he goes into the corners and he's big and everyone's going right. to love that type of defenseman. Well, and, and your concern is like, what is his puck skill? And you're just like, oh, he ended up leading and Boston This year it hasn't been a problem. Like, <laughs> you're you're just like, look, his scoring has gone up every single year. He's he's produced offense even in international tournaments. He got, he, he played like 13 minutes at the Olympics and he had an assist. Yep. So you're you're like the guys the guy has found his way to production everywhere he's been after the DP and you remember the class that he was in and it's like I don't understand it should have gone the other way that yep. class being what it was at the DP should have uh, should have inflated his numbers and it didn't that actually diminished and him. yeah yeah and it looked like and it looks like the abs made a great pick and. He's developed. He's done a great job developing at BC, and I'm, I I think that there are going to be organizations that value him over Barron because they're. I think they're both ready for pro. You know, he's obviously ready for pro hockey. We don't necessarily know what that looks like, but him signing and going and 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 playing the rest of this year in the AHL on a PTO to get an idea of of how ready he is next year is the best case for him. If uh, if it's not you know if if he gets traded and so I I would say Baron Hellison Barons and then I would say forward prospects it's Oscar Olison way up here on an island in his own yeah for sure yeah and I would say if you're valuing him if you're mixing in the defensive value uh, he it's it's probably Baron and then Olison and then Hellison I just Olison for the first round pedigree alone just bumps well up and value and premiums, yeah. It, Olison might be kind of the one trick pony right now, but the one trick is goal scoring, which is the yeah. most valuable one trick that you have in the entire NHL. Yep. So you're talking. He's, he's very good at that trick. <laughs> right. And he's had the kind of year in the OHL. Like, look, the Oshawa thing has been kind of a low key disaster, but that's it had nothing to do with him. And his low key disaster. He's made the best of it. A four goal and a hat trick night on that team right. that has not been good. <laughs> like, well, and and I think he just had a three point night last night. Yeah, it, it, and so, he popped off for these big nights for them. Yeah, you're you're saying like this. This is a dude that is ready for pro hockey next year. He's got great size. He's a good skater, and he can shoot the hell out of the puck. It's an easy sell. Yep, for a prospect. So I know we're going long here, so we don't have to spend a ton of time on this, but this is just kind of some of the talk in, in the media room uh, today as we were waiting for coach and stuff. The Martin Couts, Shane Bowers of the world. Probably throw those are there too, yeah. throw-ins. Not throw-ins, but those are kind of like your 
sweeteners, right? Your kickers that that's, you're close. That's the, gets you across the finish line. Yeah. Guy. yeah. It's not yeah. going to be your main piece of the deal for sure. Yeah. Right. Cause you know, I, I, yeah. I do, I think about a guy like Martin Kaut. <clears throat> Kaut especially, I think. A, a really interesting piece again, for some of these teams who want guys that they can plug in, there's enough there that, you know, Joe Sackick definitely has enough to sell where it's like, Hey, look, we've called this guy up. He's contributed a bit. Um, we just don't really have the room for him. Again, that's another yeah. guy kind of going back to what we were talking about with like Comfer and Joe. Oh, he's on the fourth line there. Imagine what he'll do here. Same thing with Cal. Like it's easy to be like, oh, he's in the AHL because we're just so deep. Right. And, and people always you know, look at AHL production and they're like, oh, and it's like, yep. <laughs> prospects, prospects aren't regularly throwing up like popping numbers, AHL. Yeah. The right. ones that are usually like, like really high pitch. It's Alex Newhook, and you're like, oh my god, is this guy actually yeah. incredible? <laughs> or it's like it's like Peyton Krebs and Jack Quinn, who are yeah. all playing on a line together. Right. You know, where you're just like, yeah, these guys are destroying because they should be in the NHL. Yep, and they're doing it all together. And with Cout, it's it's like Cout. Cout has always been sort of interesting, just the like the type of player that he is. Where you're like the guy's good at everything. He's smart, but he's malleable, and he's not an alpha personality, yeah. so he doesn't just take over games. But he can do so many different things to help you. It really just sort of depends on the line that he's on because he just fills whatever role is asked of him on any given line, and that's hard to value. You know, if you look at some of the really high-scoring young guys in the AHL, most of those guys pop for a specific reason. Cout's just sort of a he's he's just a tougher valuation because of the type of player that he is, which is both valuable but also like hard to evaluate and project in your lineup moving forward. You have to have a vision for him. You have to have a plan. Him, Sampo, Bowers, uh, Maltsev, I think is another one. Those are all guys that you can see as being over the yeah. finish line guys. Yeah, I would be pretty annoyed if they moved Maltsev before really giving him a. But I guess he's gotten eighteen you're, games this year and has scored no. Yeah, points, so. you're. I you you have a weird love for Maltsev for sure. I just I'm I just think that he's what they need. Like that's I I, I hear you, but I'm, Dude, I'm, I, I had that I had that with Kamenev. Didn't I? Don't know why there was just something like when I and. Well, Kamenev's skill really level jumped that. every four games. Dude. Where you're like, bro. Right, and, and that, was, here? that was what it was. It was just like when he wasn't fucking injured, uh, it was just it, you'd see him, and every now and then it's like, oh my gosh, if he can just find a little bit more consistency, and then yeah. you'd be like, wow, I can't believe he was scratched for the last five games, and he played yeah. like 11 minutes in each one of them, and he was just that unnoticeable. But yeah, he was my like irrational love for this guy player that I always was hoping he'd. So you have NHL pieces in Comfort, Jost, and maybe Ryan Murray. You have (laughs) non-NHL roster pieces, which probably starts with their 2023 first. Baron, Olison, Hellison, Barons. And then kind of the rest of your prospect pool of actual interesting pieces. Yeah. Cout, Bowers, Ranta, if someone is interested in 
uh, whatever other piece you have. Mm-hmm. The one piece I, other I did want to talk talk about before we close out here is Ananin. Is he off the don't, market? Don't mess yeah. with him. Okay. Yeah. Now I, I like if he if he gets you across the finish line in a blockbuster, right. like if you're trying to get Jarut and Sanheim, for example. If he gets you across, and like obviously he would make no sense because they have Carter Hart, but yeah. I'm using this as an off the yeah. top of my head example of he's the last piece that they ask for, and you're just like, well, this gets us this this gets us across the finish line. We have Frankie locked up for a couple of years. We have confidence that we're going to bring back Kemper for the next few, you know, for the foreseeable future. We really don't want to give up on this guy. We, he's right there for us, but also is worrying about our goalie prospect that may or may not be a starter four years from now going to stop us from doing the move that we believe puts us over the top to win the cup now. Yeah. So I think if that's the case, then you're open to it. But if it's not a major, major blockbuster like that, Ananin should not be involved. Okay. So, yep, final thoughts. We both expecting something. Both of you rather expecting something big today, or not today? Monday, next Monday, one week. Sometime now. between now and the deadline, probably yeah. when it's most inconvenient for us. Yeah, no I doubt. think it'll be. I think. I think we'll see a domino fall this week. I don't know if it'll be the big move. Um, I don't know what it'll be, but I. I think this week they'll start doing some work. I mean, we just the trend over the Drew's last few years. Thousand game is Thursday. Thursday. And that's been yeah, kind of the benchmark we've all been waiting for to say, okay, he gets a thousand games with the Flyers. Then after that, all bets are off. Yeah, they, they've already announced that they've got a big pregame ceremony planned. Um, I think they're actually doing it before warmups because um, there's a new NHL rule that if you do any ceremonies after warmups, they have a maximum of five minutes um, based on the PR. The abs uh, didn't listen to that for Jack Johnson's, but okay. <laughs> Based on the PR thing that uh, the Flyers put out today, it looks like it's a pretty robust ceremony. Um, so, yeah, I, I mean, I, I imagine that they'll do that. And then, yeah, I mean, starting Friday, that Chuck Fletcher's phone is going to be ringing off the hook, I think. Um, but I, I do. I, I think based on what we've seen in the past, a lot of teams will start making their deals uh, this week. And Monday will kind of be the – kind of final fringe pieces, but um, I'm expecting a domino to fall for the abs this week. Okay. There you go. So keep it locked and loaded when they make a trade at four in the morning on a Wednesday, you know, dude, it's not going to be like that. We're going to (laughs) finish a show. It's going to be Friday's show. It's going to be, we're going to do our show and then it's going to be at fucking three 45 PM as we all start to scatter and go about what we're going to do for the day. And then we're all going to be like looking at our phones and be like, shut the fuck up. No. What is this? It's happening Wednesday because we're supposed to have Wednesday off from the pod. So it's happening Wednesday. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Or or it's happening Sunday. And because that's also an off day for us. Yep. And it and it's the day before we're supposed to be on the air. Live the, the entire day. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Well, either way, you'll know you'll be able to find whatever happens with the abs of the trade deadline here. So be sure to like and subscribe here to the DNVR YouTube channel. Uh, that's it for this one. We're back tomorrow with a hockey game, pregame, postgame, all of that good stuff for you. So be sure to tune in there. But until then, I guess we will talk to all of you amazing people on the next one.